This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors and our many affiliate members too. What an affiliate member is, it would be somebody who's not a realtor, but they're affiliated in the market. Uh, maybe they do home inspections. Maybe they do solar inspections, provide solar um, information and uh, uh, installation. Um, oh, and by the way, that's who our two guests are. We have Jonathan Bray here today from Jonathan Bray Home Inspections. Good morning. Good morning, Don. All right. And not your first time here. Not my first time. No, yeah. Um, ratings have recovered since the last time you were here. So, so we're good. Good to hear. Glad. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> you betcha. Uh, and your cohort last time you were on is John Labeco of Soltech Solar. Good morning. Good morning. All right. And, and I guess we can't make it all Jonathan's fault that the ratings really dropped that one day. So, <laughs> Not since we were both here. Right, right. right. Come to think of it, I was here too, so maybe that could have been the reason. <laughs> all right. By the way, for all our listeners, that's my oldest joke. I tease every one of our guests about, hey, our ratings have recovered since you were on. And it seems to go over well, so I, at this point, I'm going to keep doing it. Anyway, to preface today's show, I want to tell you that as the only realtor here in the room, when we write up a contract for a buyer uh, and a seller, so we're putting a real estate transaction together, the buyer is buying that home as is. So the seller knows they're selling it as is. However, and this is a big however, the buyer has a time period usually 10 days, sometimes up to 17 days to do any and all inspections that they want or that they deem necessary. And um, that's where the two of you come in. Now, once the buyer finds out that, oh my gosh, uh, I didn't realize the air conditioner wasn't working. I didn't realize there was this plumbing issue. They do have the right in the contract to request repairs from the uh, seller. Uh, or when they find out that maybe the solar system isn't uh, as productive as it should be. They have a right to request repairs or, or, and ultimately cancel the transaction if it's not something that, that can be negotiated. So that's where the two of you guys come in as inspectors. And I often get questions like, um, hey, how's the electrical in this house? Well, you're asking the wrong guy. Let's ask the home inspector. Uh, or uh, obviously a lot of questions about solar. Uh, and, and, and that's where John Lebeco comes in. It's, wait, we got to get him over here to give us that specialized information so that they can make well-informed, good decisions. So with that, I want to start out with solar. Um, you know, when I just said solar system a couple minutes ago, I realized that's what I learned about in the first grade was the solar system. The planets and the stars. The planets, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. 
Yes. <laughs> and here we are using that in a different context. Ah, that's right. <laughs> so could you, for our listeners, give us in one minute, give us a basic on the on solar and how it works so solar today is grid tied you're tied to the grid and you have to work with your utility company and you need this thing called permission to operate in our world it's called pto i need permission to operate my solar system and pg&e has to sign off on it so typically you'll need your you'll need uh, a, an inspection for your electric panel to make sure that it works. If you are changing it out, there's some things that have to go on to make sure like you can build your system big enough and it'll work at the degree that you want it to. And a lot of people want big solar systems, but really you're just supposed to have enough to cover your house. So um, there's a term you're gonna ask me about. I think it starts with an N. Yeah. And I knew that one was coming, so can I go into that? Let me ask you a question first. Okay. So let's say your, your system produces more than you use. What happens to that overage? So the utility company buys that electricity from you. So typically a house can only use about 40 to 45% consumption of what solar is making like at any given time. So your peak hours, let's say, are from 10 in the morning to four in the afternoon. And so when your house is operating on electricity and your air conditioning is running, you're using a lot of electricity, but you're also making, in most cases, more than you can use. And so here's a tip for some people out there if they want to know if their solar system's working. You can actually go to your electric meter during the day when the sun's up and you look for those little dots on there. And it used to be your meter would spin to the right pretty fast when you're making or when you're using a lot of electricity, well, it could be moving to the left really fast, and it could be giving you credit for not using electricity, which means that your system is actually working, your inverter's working properly, your everything's working in with your panels, and it's being recorded that you're making more electricity than you're using, so you're gonna be getting credit from the electric company. So they buy that from you. Okay. All right, so it, you don't waste it. So, right. Okay, that, that's good to know. So is it possible to actually get a refund check? No. No. <laughs> no, you can get a credit, though. A credit. But you got to okay. remember it's a net discount that you're dealing with from the utility company. So, you know, you're, not, you're paying 33 to 37 cents a kilowatt hour, and they're really giving you, like, you know, 3 to 5 cents is kind of like the wholesale cost on it so when you get credit you're just getting it slightly over what they're paying for it so you're not getting the full value so that's why it's uh, uh, the, the net terms in there okay so um let's go to that big question i had what does nem mean i've seen that n-e-m in in capital letters right so on every solar utility bill you're going to see the words nem on it and so NEM is um, a generation of electricity at your home. So it's called net energy metering. And so there's three generations that we want to talk about real quick with you guys. The first one is like NEM1. That was when panels were real expensive and you had a big tax credit and you would get solar before 2016. You could make it as big as you want. Hardly any out of pocket. You don't see that anymore because in 2016, 
NEM2 came into being. And NEM2 is actually a really good program. The panels are very reasonable. The systems are affordable to get. Um, it'll save you enough money to justify owning a system. And you're, for a while, we were allowed to make our systems about 25% bigger than like what your usage is. And today, so many people have gone solar, the utility company saying, we only want you to have like 100% of your usage. If you want to go bigger, sometimes you have to justify through an audit, like a way bigger system. So we have, you know, I'm working with a doctor who just bought a house. He wants a big solar system. And he's planning on adding a pool house, adding uh, things that are going to take up like a lot of electricity. He's got to build the pool too. So, hey, I want my solar system really big. So you have to be able to justify the electric car. That's going to save you money um, on gasoline, but it also costs money in electricity. So those are the things we look at when we talk to people about getting solar. But the NEM part is you're going to use this electricity and PG&E wants you to justify it. They don't really want you to wait like three or five years um, to, to get it. They want you to kind of do it now. So you have to be really careful on how much bigger you say you're going to make your solar system. And so the new thing is this NEM3. And this is what uh, the, the, the voices are kind of coming out and you're hearing about some picketing at um, I heard about that earlier this week, so I'll, I'll ask you about that too, but go on. So people are kind of, um, there's a California Solar and Storage Association. Um, they're raising awareness, and basically the utility rates are going to get a lot higher. They've gone up like 10% a year. I'm getting calls from people that, you know, they don't use a lot of electricity, but their bill is two times higher than it was five or seven years ago. So they have concerns like, oh, well, maybe solar's the solution. So it could very well be, but the biggest thing is this NEM3 is coming and the utility company um, is not talking to the Solar Association anymore because they're doing their litigation now and they're writing up the new agreement. And in 30 days, we believe the new agreement will come out and it's gonna say that your size of your solar system, whether it's three to 13 kilowatt hours, um, they're gonna charge maybe eight, six to eight dollars a kilowatt. So what they're trying to do is get like 50 to a hundred dollars again per household a month, even if you have solar, which right now, if you have solar, you're maybe paying 15, you know, 10 to 20 dollars a month. Average person's probably, you know, spending 200 dollars a year on electricity. And if you have a little true up, it might be 400, which is super reasonable for a whole year for your electricity. And now they're saying like, hey, we want our money. We want a chunk of that. We need it to survive. Okay, so here's a question that I've heard floating around. And it's like, how are the utility companies like Southern Cal Edison, PG&E, how, how are they going to survive if they keep losing customers to solar? Well, you still are a customer and you're still paying for the electricity, you're just getting it at a reduced rate. So for example, instead of paying 37 cents or 33 cents a kilowatt, you're paying like 10 to 13 cents mm -hmm. with a solar system. So you're gonna go over the allotted time. They now have a peak and an off peak and they charge a little bit more for like the evening. So you end up spending a couple hundred dollars a year with solar anyway, but it's, their plans are to have it continue to go up and more out of pocket for consumers. And so that's where the NEM3 kind of really hurts the consumer because 
there's a thing that the association is saying, you know, like, don't tax the sun. Because basically, like, solar is very green and energy efficient, and it's a wonderful benefit to society. But right now, a solar system only takes four to six years to pay for itself in most cases. Um, if this thing goes through, what's going to happen is without changing the cost of solar, they're changing it on the utility side with the expenses and they're gonna make it take like 10 to 15 years for a solar system to pay for itself. So it's affecting a lot of jobs, it's affecting a lot of consumers and there's a lot of rumbling going on that like it's just not fair that they're creating a tax. Yeah, and I have heard it referred to as a tax, but I wanna address this from the real estate side of it. Um, I often get asked questions like, well, will solar help me? And a question I usually ask is, well, how long do you plan to be in, in there? And, and not will solar help me? Cause yes, solar is going to help you period. Uh, but uh, somebody that says, well, you know, we may take a job transfer in three years. All right. Maybe won't be that, uh, that effective, that short term, but Oh, I know. Yeah, John's going to have a response to that one. <laughs> but certainly if it, it if it takes you 15 years to recover, right. now that's going to put a kibosh on exactly. a lot of solar installations. Okay, I'm going to let you respond to my my yeah, so, question. Um, so so it's not me that makes this information up. This is just facts is that, you know, own solar obviously is like the best in the real estate world. And um, if people can own solar and have it paid for, it's very easy to transfer it and, and move into like that kind of house. So um, it typically takes about three summers to cost justify owning a solar system. So if you can get your three summers in, you can justify it. And I'll tell you real quick, one of my fireman customers in Clovis told me this when he bought his next house. I'm like, dude, you didn't stay in your house very long. Did you come out okay with your solar transaction? And he said, hey, I got a, back then, it was just a few years back, but it was a 30% tax credit. So he bought a $30,000 solar system. The $10,000 tax credit helped him, or it was 9,000. Three years of having solar took care of like $10,000. And he roughly got like eight to $10,000 added onto his transaction when his solar system was paid for. He was able to get a little bit more money and say, hey, there's warranties with this and it's all you know, transferred over to you, you can take it. And he made it part of owning his house. Okay. That was a very good explanation. In fact, I'm going to... There's flags going up in your world, huh? That's right. Be, uh, so there's more more ways than just your monthly savings to come out ahead. There, there's the tax credit. There's the uh, appreciation on the house because you are adding a valuable asset. Um, and, and then, of course, the monthly savings. With that, we do have to go to our next commercial break our first commercial break, actually. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here comes the sun. It's very appropriate as we have our solar inspector here. So uh, without sun, I guess you wouldn't have a job, right? Good thing that sun's been around for a while. 
<laughs> now, we also have here in the studio Jonathan Bray, who is a home inspector. And um, Jonathan, you just got to hear John Labeco talk about solar. Um, do you do solar inspections or do you refer those out? And, and then what did you just learn from, from John? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, no. To answer the first question, no. As home inspectors, we don't do anything as far as the solar systems at all. Um, I will look at the, um, the installation on the roof periodically and make sure that it looks like it's anchored down appropriately. One thing I've noticed is that most solar companies that are installing solar panels are doing it pretty well. <laughs> they very rarely will you see a um, a half a half done job on a solar panel system because they're I'm assuming they're pretty highly regulated by somebody and so the installation's typically pretty pretty decent. Um, but no, we don't do anything with the solar system other than oh yeah, there's a solar system there. That's it. Um, it was interesting to hear John talk about NEM for one about because not only am I a home inspector and doing home inspections, but I'm also a homeowner. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've got an electrical panel on the side of my house. I've got solar panels on my roof and learning about this, you know, the new progressions of all the NEM generations is pretty interesting. But um, also during my inspections, now I'll be able to he talked about the meter running backwards, which is a pretty interesting concept to me when you're generating more power than you're actually using. But, um, you know, from now on, I'll get periodic questions by the buyers when I'm there doing my inspection and say, hey, does that solar look like it's working or not? And I can I can just casually go by the by the solar equipment and look at the or at the PG E box, I guess it is on the meter is it on the on the meter head mm -hmm. and actually see if the um the wheel is spinning backwards or if the dots are rotating to the left instead of the right and um, be able to, you know, give an idea. Of course, that I guess all depends on the time of day and the location of the sun in the sky compared to where the panels are on the house, that kind of thing. So is that something that a homeowner can go look at their own inverter box and, and see? Yeah, that's real basic. I mean, there's monitoring available, and that's the best, is if, if, if somebody gets a home and it already had solar on it, you look at your inverter. If it says Solar Edge, there's a number you can call, or you could call, like, a local solar company and find out, hey, I want to get the monitoring transferred over. And that way you can actually see, like, how well each panel's doing. If you have the monitoring, that's better. But just a general, like, yes, it's working kind of thing to, like, give them peace of mind as they go to buy their house. You know, yeah, it's working. And, you know, it doesn't mean all the panels are working, but if the inverter's working and it's making electricity, they're going to be getting some kind of credit. Okay. Interesting. And, and once again, it, I think that having the two of you here today is great because as a home inspector, Jonathan, mm -hmm. um, you're more like a general doctor. Not not so much the spe the heart specialist or a neurosurgeon. You're you're the general doctor who looks at everything in general, and if you see a solar issue or you see a uh, HVAC issue, you're going to refer to a specialist. Yes, yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. Um, my background, you know, brings me to the table because, and, and I've 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 done a lot of this work. I've done the electrical. I've done plumbing work. I've done heating and air conditioning work. Appliance repair framing of houses. I've done pretty much every aspect of it. And now that I'm in the inspector mode, though, when I show up to do a home inspection, I'm wearing a different hat, right? I just show up and I'm just going through the house, turning on light switches, checking electrical outlets, opening up the electrical panel. And if I see a problem, my job is not there. I'm not there to troubleshoot the problem. Typically, I will just because I'll know what the, I'll know what the problem is, what the issue is. But that's not what I'm there for. I'm there to give them a general overview of the current condition of the home. 
exactly right. And then if there's a problem with the AC's not blowing cold enough or if there's a plumbing leak that we discover underneath the bathtub, then obviously, yeah, we'll recommend out to a specialist for sure. How can you tell if the AC's not blowing cold enough? I mean, just stick your hand up there. That's what. That's how I do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it's cold enough for you, it's cold enough for me. Okay. Um, no, we do. A, um, I do. A, um, I do. I can do a couple different. I can do a couple different checks. Um, I always typically run the um, heater first when I get to a house. Um, only takes a couple components in the HVAC system to make air hot. You need gas flowing and you need an igniter. And that igniter, like a like a cigarette lighter, um, makes a fire. And now you've got hot water or hot air. Uh, on the cooling side, I typically um, will check the temperature differential, which means I'll let the AC run for a while. Um, I'll get close up to one of the air vents blowing out into a room, and I'll compare the temperature that's coming out of that vent to the temperature that's being displayed on the thermostat. So if it's 82 inside of a house and the air is only blowing out at 70 degrees, that's a temperature differential of negative 12. And um, we typically like to see anywhere from 18 to 25 degrees cooling to tell us that the um, the air the system is working properly. So if it's uh, 80 degrees in the house and the air is blowing out at 62 degrees, now we're at an 18 degree temperature differential. So it's blowing out, meaning the, the AC system is pulling in 80 degree air and it's cooling it down by 18 degrees and blowing the air out into your house at 62. Eventually that's gonna cool your house off. Okay, and you do that with a meter. Yeah, yeah, I've got a couple. I've got a couple different types of meters that I have. I have an infrared um, camera that I can detect um, heat transfer with, and I've also just got a standard laser heat sensing tool that we can do, as well as your basic meat thermometer. Uh, homeowner can can do their own test. Just get the meat thermometer off the barbecue and stick it up in one of the vents and take its reading and compare it to your thermostat. So I asked John to give us in one minute or or less just a basic on a solar system yeah what in one minute or less how would you describe a home inspection a home inspection is um, basically we provide a professional unbiased opinion of the current condition of the home so we're testing all the different components the electrical the plumbing the framing we're not looking for a loose electrical outlet Periodically during our inspections, we'll come across a loose electrical outlet, but we're looking for primarily system-wide issues, um, what we call material defects. So we're looking for bigger systems. We're looking for electric electrical system-wide issues with the electrical, system-wide issues with the plumbing, low water pressure, um, any kind of framing um, or uh, framing issues. If something seems to be settling, we're going to pay more attention to that. But it's basically our unbiased opinion of that. And I tell people, I'm like, if you wanted to buy a used car and you wanted to take it to your buddy, the mechanic, and have him look at it, I'm the mechanic. I got you. But the part I really liked what you just said was unbiased. So you're not working for the... No. Yeah. Um, hired, hired. So it's, it's tough because we are hired and paid for by the buyer, typically. Um, I'm getting more and more situations where I'm doing pre-listing inspections for sellers who are getting ready to put their house on the market and they want to know what's going to come up in a home inspection. So they want a reasonable inspector to come out and do an inspection. So I'll do a lot of those. But typically I'm hired and paid for by the buyer, but it's not my job to um, it's not my job to protect them at all costs. My job is to give you my professional opinion. And I'm asked periodically to put stuff onto a report that in my opinion 
It's perfectly normal. And there, it, it's doing its job. It's functioning the way it's supposed to. Yeah, it's old, but it's still working. So I, I can't, I can't diagnose something as a defect if it's still performing and doing its job well. I mean, unless you pay me double. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> and we all know he was joking on that. One. 100%. Yeah, no that it's not <laughs> it's not worth it's not it's not it's not worth it. I just I I'm over 7,000 inspections in and I was a builder before that and I was I was a trade I was I've done it all so it's not worth it to me to try and compromise. I do the exact same job every single time and that's yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. Mhm. And I will say that because John has done many an inspection for me. The thing I like is that you have a system as you go through the house. So you don't bounce around in one house. You do this, the inside first and then the outside. I mean, you, you have a system. And I think that makes it easier for you to, to keep track. Makes it easier for me. Yeah. yeah. And, I don't, and I, don't, I, don't like, I don't like I don't like to talk during the inspection process. Um, if the buyer shows up at the beginning, they can hang out, they can measure for their fridge, measure for their couch, do all that stuff. I want to go through and do my thing because you're going to get a really good job from me because I don't get distracted. I don't get sidetracked. I go through and do my thing. Now I'm not trying to rush you. I'm not trying to be rude, but at the end, I'm all yours. If you want to walk through everything all over again, because I tell people when I show up at a house, I don't know anything about that house right then, but in one hour, I'm going to know more than the current owners. And then I can talk intelligently, right? Mm -hmm. And it is true, you'll know more than the, even the owners. I've seen where an owner thinks everything's working right, and then, but the home inspector goes up in the attic and finds that the ducting is torn up there. So it's not cooling properly. And I'm sure if the seller would have known that was broken, they would have had it fixed. Sure. But how many owners crawl up in the attic on a regular basis? So. I did, I, last September, I did a brand new house, brand new house. Um, it was a two-story house, 100 and something degrees outside. Builder just finished it. Keys are, uh, buyer's getting keys next week. Buyer still wanted to do a home inspection. No problem. So I get out to the house, and I'm doing my inspection, going through the process. And I go up into the second story. I go to poke my head in the attic, and I lift the cover off of the attic to poke my head inside. And it was colder in the attic than it was in the bedrooms. Two sections of ductwork hadn't even been connected by the AC contractor. Wow. And so if the homeowner had moved in, their power bill would have been through the roof. Well, they should have got solar. <laughs> I think they did. They yeah. did. They, they, they would, yeah, it mandated. They had solar, but that was the that was the thing. You don't want to you don't want to be heating right. and cooling your attic. Right. Um and the way I like to put it, a home inspector is like an umpire. You just got to call the ball or strike. And, and, and you're not the one making a decision to who fixes it or if it gets fixed. Yeah. You're just pointing it out. You're not saying, you're not pointing fingers at somebody saying, you got to do this, you got to do that. And I think, I think most home inspectors in town are more accurate than current umps. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I love it when current owners say, there's nothing wrong with this. I love that. <laughs> I love that challenge. And I'm not, trust me, I'm not hunting for anything. I'm not looking, I, I don't have to. My, that's not my job to hunt and, and investigate and all that stuff. I just go through and if it looks wrong, it probably is. And I, 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 I'm, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. Yeah, it's all the, right. the handyman homeowner guy is the funnest well, one. And with that, we are going to our next commercial break. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 KYNO. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. 
Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio, um, we have John Lebeco of Soltech, a solar company. We also have Jonathan Bray, a home inspector. Um, so I want to take our listeners right now inside of the initial period of time for inspection. So earlier in the show, I mentioned how you enter escrow, you have so many days to do inspections and find out what it is you're buying and whether or not you're going to go through with the purchase. So um, typically I see 10 days to 17 days as your, your typical time periods that, that is put into the negotiations mm-hmm. for finding that out. Um, first of all, let me ask you, Jonathan Bray, uh, I mean, is that enough time for you to get a home inspection done? Yeah, typically it's a, um, that's a sufficient amount of time. Um, a lot of the um, realtors that I work with will call me as soon as they've you know got an accepted offer right away. If you make an offer and it gets accepted on a Friday um, and you've got a 10-day period, don't wait till Monday to call me. Um, I typically answer my phone or at least a text message you know, over the weekends even. But yeah, typically 7 to 10 days out is a good time period. When the market's super, super hot and super busy, we can be booked out five or six days. Um, I've got a system set up on my phone. Um, on my inspection device, actually, that I can actually do my inspection and my report at the same time. So I can get my inspection done, get you the report pretty quickly. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's understanding time is of the essence is the biggest part of it for sure. And I got to tell you, probably know this already, but the sellers uh, will often, the minute you leave, uh, did it pass? There is their question. Did it pass the <laughs> home inspection? Well, first of all, the buyer's got to get yeah. the report. Yeah peruse it, look it over, speak with their realtor, see what they're going to ask for, if anything. And you'd be amazed. Um, I've seen both sides of transactions. A lot of times the buyer doesn't want the seller to fix something. They'll take it as is because they would rather fix it themselves. Sure. Uh, and, And here's a great example. And don't say the name of the street or the name of the client. But let's say a buyer asks a seller to fix a fence and um uh you know the the seller may just patch that thing up stick a two by four up against it and say ah it's no longer leaning of course that wasn't quite what the buyer wants so maybe that's a good one to have the the buyer fix themselves yeah absolutely yeah, I, I shut them well, down when I said don't mention because <laughs> that, that, no, that was one that uh, no. a transaction that John that, and I were both on. That that affects a lot of things though. Like when people are remodeling, getting ready to put their house on the market, like you're going to tear out that tile and put in a different tile or a different granite. Buyers may come along and not even like that color granite. So, you know, sometimes it's better to to follow your like, especially realtors and and um, uh, active realtors that are that have been doing this for a while. They understand the that by certain buyers are looking for certain types of things. And if you put a bunch of money into a job and then the buyer doesn't like it, it, um, it's the same, same, same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Turning to, uh, the solar industry now is 10 to 17 days, typically enough time. Not really. Um, most of the solar businesses in town are very, um, busy with, with installations. So um, you could call the office, but they need a 10, 15 day minimum window. And those are business days to be able to get out there. So that's kind of created a niche market for good solar agents. They can 
you know, work on relationships with, with realtors and say, hey, I'll come over and take a look at that for you, let you know if it's working or not. And then, you know, the, the realtor can, you know, mm-hmm. use their discretion and say, hey, the solar system works. It's a little different if you need a written report. Those, those are going to take a little while. Okay. What would a written report cost typically, and, and not just from your company, but within the industry? I mean, is it thousands of dollars? Oh my goodness. No, it's kind of <laughs> like the price of bubble gum. No, a little more than that. Um, probably around $150 range, I think, is a complete inspection nowadays. Okay, so very, very doable. Very thorough. They'll go up on the roof, they'll make sure everything's working and give you a detailed report on mm-hmm. you know what the system should be producing um, and even help you with the monitoring capability if you you know for the buyers gonna want all that so okay. a good company can do that and you know I forgot to ask Jonathan Bray on home inspection in your industry what does a home inspection cost and I'm gonna say for a typical 2,000 square foot home uh, basic price um, right now is ranging anywhere from probably three three to five hundred dollars somewhere in that price range depending on who okay. you get yeah so once again not yeah. thousands no very doable right and even if you don't even if the home inspector doesn't find very much or or you don't even ask the seller to do anything at least you know your home you know what you're buying yeah yeah it's a peace of mind thing it's a peace of mind it's not an insurance policy it's not a warranty it's more a peace of mind knowing that, yeah, you walked through the house, you liked it, and the inspector is basically giving either his blessings or he's saying, oh, you need to pay attention to this a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, most of us inspectors also coordinate other inspections like a pest or an AC or a roof because some buyers, you know, they want to have the AC looked at in detail and they want to have the roof looked at by a roofer. So uh, most of us are now capable of coordinating those other inspections. And if you if you get a package deal where you get multiple inspections like that, it can run you you know eight hundred to a thousand dollars. If you want the sewer scope, you know the, the sewer lines looked at with a camera and all of that, you can you can add that up. But just a basic home, basic home and pest, you can get done for around four fifty five hundred dollars. All right, going back to solar now. Something that I see a lot is and, and tell me how difficult this is, but the sellers selling their home and they're talking about, hey, I've got solar up there. And you look up there and it looks like a dirty car car windshield. Um, don't those things need to be cleaned? Absolutely. Yeah, you don't want to let your solar panels get caked with, caked, with okay. dirt, yeah. right? So, um, you know, some people think like, hey, I don't have any trees, so I get 100% solar. Well, you know, you still have clouds and you still have dirt. And if you live near a construction area, you're gonna get a lot of dirt on your solar panels. So if you monitor your solar panels, here's another little thing to look for. You should have a proposal that you were given when you signed up for solar. If you've adopted a solar system, you know, you, we can help you figure out like how much it should be making. And so my clients know like I need to be making this time of year 45 or 50 kilowatts a day to cover the electricity. And so you look at your monitoring and it'll show you, you made your 50 kilowatts today. So then you're on track so that you don't have to worry about like shortages. So when the panels get get all dirty, all of a sudden you're making 35 and 30 kilowatts a day, you see the drop. And this time of year, the, or the panels are getting dusty and dirty right now. So 
you, you can see how nice, like somebody who just got their panels cleaned, how nice their panels look. Some people do it for cosmetic, but you're not going to get your money back if you're spending $150, $200 to clean your panels if you do it more than one or two times a year. So you kind of got to, you know, know the numbers and, you know, clean them at the right time. And so you're going to su suggest one or two times a year? I'm going to suggest when they're dirty and the production stops okay. or low, it gets lowered. Yeah. Okay. Like if you're just cleaning them because you want them clean for cosmetics, that's different mm -hmm. than when you're really affected by the production because they will work with some dirt on them. They just won't work with like the cake dirt on them. And you got to avoid the caking and you don't want to have like, you know, regular water on it. You don't just go rinse them. That's what I was going to ask. So <laughs> right. can you just get up there on the roof with your hose and squirt them no, off? We don't recommend you get on your roof. That's not really safe, right? So um, you should have them professionally clean. Soltec does cleaning. A lot of companies do cleaning. And you want to book that a couple weeks out because, like I said, it's, it takes a while to get people to come over nowadays in services. And um, What's a general price range on cleaning? Let's say It's for about a, four bucks a panel, I would say, would be like a safe number, four to five dollars. So, you know, average house might have 30. So, so, you know, you might be looking... $120? $150 to $200. It might be a trip fee and yeah. all that kind of stuff. The big thing is you got to know who you're doing business with because if your system stops working after somebody cleans your panels, are they going to come back and help you? And so that's why you want to use a professional company for, for right. cleaning. Now I want to change subjects a little bit on both of you and let's talk about life expectancies of the systems jonathan bray what is a typical life expectancy of let's say a roof um, and i know the answer is it depends <laughs> it depends um life expectancy on a roof is i mean they, they sell you know 30 year uh, 30 year material they sell up to a 50 year material if you've got concrete cement tiles on your roof um, pretty much designed to laugh last a lifetime um, there, things will happen if you know people are up walking around on it hanging Christmas lights or something you may get some cracked tiles you may get the tiles slip but I recommend having a roofer come out you know every year September early October and just get up there and do a basic maintenance on the roof slide slip tiles back in on a comp roof you know, like I said, you'll get 30 years. One thing that helps with the um, with the the lifespan of a roofing material, though, is going to be your ventilation. If you don't have proper ventilation on your roof, if you look up on your roof and you don't see very many vents letting the hot air that collects inside the attic out, then you're going to be baking your material from the top side by the sun and the bottom side by the heat in the attic. Mm. And then it'll. I've seen 30-year roofs um, last 15, 20 years is all because of the excess heat. All right. Good. And then um, how about on a solar system? What is the life expectancy on so the, a typical the, system? Yeah. The numbers they give us are 25 years for very good production. So, you know, they degrade somewhat so. So um, you're looking at 80% of your overall usage roughly. Now it's 90%, 80% like 10 years ago. Now it's about 90% um, in, in 25 years. But um, solar panels have been around for a long time. People don't realize. And there are panels that are 40 years old that are still being in, in use. Mm -hmm. And so they just don't make as much electricity. And I'm going to say this as a realtor, having been out on many in a, in an inspection, it is amazing the different 
terms of life in, in systems. I, um, I just had a, a, a client say, wow, you know, our HVAC system was only seven years old and it went. Yes. And yet there's a lot of them out there that are 40 years old. Yes. And, and they're still working. So it's probably like an automobile. Sometimes you get a good one, sometimes you don't. But also maintenance makes a big difference. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with that, we do have to go to our next commercial break, so stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio with us, we have John Lebeco of Soltech and Jonathan Bray of Jonathan Bray Home Inspections. I'm glad you're both wearing your shirts. So, you know, sometimes I get so nervous doing this show that I forget who the guest is. But <laughs> now, I, now I just have to read your I believe your that. Okay. Jonathan Bray says he believes that. John Lebeco's looking at me like, you can't be telling the truth. <laughs> You'll never know which is the truth. Mm -hmm. All right. So... I have some solar questions for you. It seems like we have more and more things going electric now, electric vehicles um, that you have to plug in at nighttime. Um, how does that impact a system? Yeah, you're gonna use more uh, kilowatts, so you wanna do that on the off-peak time. If you're charging a vehicle, you definitely wanna have solar. You know, if you can have solar when you have a, an electric vehicle, it would make a lot of sense. I've seen some people that don't have solar with electric vehicles and you're just going to pay more so when you say do it during off-peak times i thought you were producing your own electricity so off-peak is like your evenings mm -hmm. and they charge uh the utility company charges less of a rate so we're talking like after nine o'clock at night to um, four o'clock in the afternoon okay so if you go over it uh, is this a true statement that if you uh, or a correct statement, if you produce X amount of uh, kilowatt hours from your system and you stay under that, despite when you recharge your car, shouldn't it be no cost? It, it could be, but you're talking about like three to five kilowatts worth of electricity. So you're talking about using a lot of electricity, you know, 4,500 kilowatt hours to yeah. 600 kilowatt hours a year. For your car, that's going to add up. That's a big chunk of somebody's. You know, you're instead of paying fifteen hundred dollars a year for gasoline, you're paying nine hundred dollars in electricity. Gotcha. And, and so, what you're saying is more. You're going to spill over more than likely from your usage and have to actually buy from the grid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, therefore, a lot of people end up buying a battery. How, how does that battery work? So batteries aren't really a necessity today. They're something that's kind of being thrown at us like, hey, you need one of these. A lot of people think they're gonna get more electricity by having a battery system. But remember, you have to put in 20% of your electricity to have your battery stored with that electricity so that when the power goes out, it has something to, to operate off of. So um, as far as energy efficiency, like in the evening, you know, you can release your battery, but you're not going to save enough 
in money to justify the cost of a battery and having it for a 10-year warranty. It takes about 100 years to pay off a battery. So the people who are good fits for batteries are really the people who have to have wells working. Um, you know, they might have livestock and they need water. Medical, um, medical medical, equipment. Medical needs, exactly. So um, we don't have these big power outages where it's like three to five days. It's mostly just like 20 minutes to three or four hours here. So, you know, there is a group of people who can afford it who say, I got to have a battery backup. And a generator is a perfect solution for that. Um, batteries are new and up and coming. And, you know, we've done several battery systems, but you have to cost justify it in people's minds and make it worth it for them and make, it, make sure that the application is correct. And that's kind of what we do is we assess it. We're not just going to sell you a battery because society says, like, that's the future and you need them. You, you need one eventually. There's a thing called island, islanding where you're going to make your own electricity and, and feed that battery and use it at your own house. But it's still several years away where you're going to get there. So you, you don't need to buy the battery today unless you have that application of something that needs to be turned on when the power goes out. So you mentioned a well, uh, medical equipment. Wouldn't swimming pools take a lot? They take a lot of electricity. That wouldn't be like a good thing to, to run on backup. So... Okay. Anytime uh, you have to start a motor, it's going to... So by a battery, 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 we're talking about a battery backup. The battery is storing power for a day when the power at the grid goes off. So when PG&E shuts off for some reason, whether it's a rolling blackout or uh, if car it's just accident. a car accident, hits a power pole and knocks the power out in your neighborhood, if you have a battery, you're able to that battery is able to kick in and provide you power to operate Correct. your home. So it would be critical to have in situations where you need to keep something running to sustain life or yeah. something else. So if the if you drain your battery, you're hoping the next day is sunny. Well, what if we're in the winter and it's stormy season and it's not sunny? You may not have enough juice to make that Got house it. run if Got it, it is a long-term power outage. Got so it. those are things that are looked at that have to be considered. I want to turn to home inspections again. And um, John, what... Jonathan, um, what is the biggest issues that you find? Would it be electrical, water, roof? What What are your biggest issues, and how do we prevent them? Um, I think the I think the biggest biggest concerns, biggest issues would be our big ticket items. Um, number one being the roof, um, keeping the roof clean, keeping the valleys clean, and the gutters cleaned out, and letting. You know, on a rainy day, you want that water to be able to travel off the roof, get into the gutters, and be handled till it gets to the ground and away from the house. Um, heating and air conditioning systems are a big one because if they're not operating properly and if they're not maintained, um, I recommend having your HVAC system serviced, you know, once, at least once, preferably twice a year. Um, the heating and the cooling sides, have someone get out there. Um, most common things are just little, little nickel and dime stuff like, um, loose toilets and bathrooms or um, G n the, the lack of GFI protection in a kitchen or bathroom or a garage where they're recommended. Those kind of things are the, I would say are the most, most common, most common things that um, people don't pay attention to. On the GFCI plugs, um, let's say it's a 1970s home. Yeah. So it's not required, right? Because that's an, uh, uh, a new electrical code. Sure. Sure. Is it still recommended? Recommend. Highly recommended. It is. It is. It is a new and newer invention than a 1970s house. 
um, and we're not bringing the house. It's not a code inspection, so we're not bringing the house up to current code, obviously, but it's definitely something that goes onto our reports as a recommendation. Um, How costly is that? And let's just take a typical 2,000 oh, square foot. Not, not, not much. Typically, the, out, the outlets themselves run about 18 to 20 bucks at Home Depot or Lowe's, and you can have an electrician install probably three or four of them within one service call. So if you needed to upgrade an entire house, you're talking about probably one in a garage, one in the kitchen, and one in one of the bathrooms, which is going to protect the other bathroom. So you've got maybe three or four tops that you would need in a house. So maybe $150, $200. Okay. So you don't have to rewire the no, whole house? No, no, Only time you have to do more than normal is if you've got an ungrounded system. Um, think of the Tower District area. You've got thousands and thousands of houses in that area that still are ungrounded systems. In other words, you've probably seen, gone into a house and saw an outlet that only had two prongs. That's an ungrounded system. Mm-hmm. Okay, then it gets more costly. Yeah, you gotta you got to replace more outlets that way. All right, so in our last couple of minutes, I have John Labeco. What do you want our listeners to remember most about your discussion today on solar? Well, I'm going to throw something at you that's a little different. Um, If you have paid for solar, you might find that those houses in the future after NEM 3 hits are going to be a little more valuable than houses that are people are moving into that have NEM 3 or people that uh, are signing up have NEM 3. The NEM 2 is going to have some value and the NEM 1 because they're grandfathered for 15 years. So you're going to get more electricity at a cheaper price. Somewhere along the line, an appraiser or somebody's going to figure out there's some value there. Okay, and that's because of the grandfather clause? Mm-hmm. The grandfathering of it for 15 years. You're, you are getting less expensive electricity if that house is paid for. You might get $350, $400 a month worth of free electricity, uh-huh. where with the NEM 3, you, it's not going to be as valuable. And when does NEM 3 start? We don't know. Okay. We know that in August, supposedly, it is, it's being written and it should roll out in August, and it's usually a three- or four-month lag, so early next year. Okay. John Bray, what would be your uh, the thing you want our listeners to remember most about your portion of today's show? Uh, get one. Get a home. Oh, get a home. Get a home inspection. Um, I mean, a home inspection and periodic inspections are good for buyers, sellers, current homeowners. If you've been in your home for 5, 10, 15, 20 years and you've never had one of us go through it and just we don't tear things apart, but give you an up, you know, a current, you know, unbiased opinion of the current condition of your home, whether you plan to sell it or not, it can give you some a lot of good upgraded, um, updated advice as far as energy efficiency or uh, how to maintain your equipment and your systems okay so we don't have to wait till you sell it you could do it at any time yeah just get one well i want to thank both john and john today for coming in and helping us out and thank you to all the listeners for tuning in every week and uh we'll be back again next week with more valuable information on our local real estate market thank you